Well, good morning. Skip, you encouraged me this morning. So don't ever feel that we're not encouraging. You know, I, I, I always, I don't want to use the word laugh, but I laugh inside when we have those moments where I'm like, when we share our heart and we tell everybody how we don't know how we're being effective, it's in that moment how effective you're being. You know, and I, and I crack up because I've done that too. I'm like, you know, I'll realize and I'll question. I'll be like, man, am I really being effective? Am I really helping? And then I'll take a look at all the people that I maybe have had that conversation with and I'll realize I'm impacting those people around me by even just having that heartfelt moment where I'm like, am I, am I doing this right? So, does everybody have your flyer, your handout for today? Oh, okay. So, remember that we just finished the series uh, of the calling of Abraham. Abram. We'll call him Abram for now. He's not Abraham yet. And then this week, we're going to be moving into the covenant. And I like that... Uh, I like that Dale used the word promise because I have it in my notes. And I always love when I get up here and things get orchestrated where they align with what I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> you know? So what is a promise? We all know what a promise is. We all know what a promise is, you know? Okay, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to divide you. Who's going for the Rams? Got a few Rams hands. Who's going for the Bengals? Got a lot of Bengals fans. Okay. And, and who doesn't care? Oh, there are lots of don't cares. Okay. <laughs> Food. <clears throat> so for those of you who are going for the Bengals, you know, you, you've got a coach who might go on TV in an interview and say, you know, we've been doing this and we've got things lined up and we've been looking at tapes and we've been looking at film and we've been watching the Rams the last two years and we know who we need to stop. We know what we need to do. I promise you we're going to go out there and win today. They're going to tell their fans that. But how much can they come through on their promise? You know, it's not, it's not really up to them. You know, it's not really up to them. And I know uh, for those of us who are parents, we make promises to our children and we try our darndest to fulfill them. But there's sometimes it's circumstances and situations that show up. You know, I could think of one now. I mean, just a few weeks ago we were talking, I think two weeks ago we were talking about going back to Six Flags and we had a plan and we were going to go. And, and at the last minute... That's the morning I woke up with COVID. So I had to disappoint my promise. You know, and, and, and it doesn't feel good when we do that. Even in the midst of, I have COVID, I can't go anywhere. You know, so uh, we're going to look at the difference between a promise and a covenant. And, uh, you know, so a promise I wrote here is a noun, is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. I wrote a promise as a verb is... To assure someone that one will definitely do, give, or arrange something, undertake, or declare that something will happen. That's what promises. It's a, ner a noun and a verb. But the word covenant in theology means an agreement which brings about a relationship of commitment between God and his people. And this is going to be a different kind of promise, a different contract relationship, this covenant. It's going to look a little different than what we're familiar with in making promises, making agreements, setting out to do things with those around us as people. So we're going to look deeper into that. And as Pastor Mark always said, what did Pastor Mark say about a covenant? It was a cutting. You're going to learn about that cutting today. We're going to learn a little bit about what that cutting is, what, what that meant, and why we call it a cutting covenant. That's why I've labeled this part one, the cutting covenant. 
It's in your notes. So, we're also going to look at the human side of doubt. Any doubters in the room? Doubters? Fakers? Hopers? Faithers? Believers? Trusters? Lots of us. Doubter. Been a doubter. Been a doubter. Doubting Thomas much? Syndrome? Doubting Thomas syndrome? I think we've all been down that road. You know, so uh, Abram's full of doubt up to this point, yes? Would you say that you're Abram and you're full of doubt up to this point? Things are happening and aligning, but doubt is setting in. So at 75 years old, you've been asked by God to leave your homeland, travel 400 miles south, I'm going to give you this land. You got there, and then what happened? There was a famine in the land. It's like, okay, I can't stay here. He actually had to leave. What do you think was going through? I mean, we sometimes got to dive into this stuff. I want to dive into the psyche of thinking. Put yourself in Abram's shoes. This is called empathy. I remember I was in uh, seventh grade, and our, our, my, my teacher used to tell us he would challenge us every week with a new word. He would say, I'm going to tell you this word. You're going to learn the definition, and at the end of the year, we're going to go through this list of words to see if you can remember them, and I'm going to use them throughout the year. My favorite word was empathy. I don't know why. Maybe that was the way God aligned it, but that was the one word that year, that school year. It was the first word he used in the beginning, the first week, the word empathy. It meant to absolutely put yourself in someone else's shoes, and I've lived my life with a lot of empathy, and I try to use empathy when I read these stories. I try to use empathy, and I put myself right into the shoes of the character. So if I'm Abram, and I've traveled at 75 years old, and I've gone 400 miles, and all of a sudden there's a famine in the land, and I'm literally packing up our stuff and leaving and going to Egypt, doubt has set in for me. Doubt has set in. You know, I'm like, at that point, I would be praying, God, what is... What are you doing? What, what, what are we doing? This is the land. You brought me here. You told me this was it. I built an altar, and now I'm leaving, and I'm going to Egypt. And what did he do when he got to Egypt? He didn't trust on God to take care of him and fulfill the promise. He lied about who his wife was. So you see, there's doubt going on in this story. There's doubt. There's frustration. I guarantee it. You know, it's like, it's like we're people. There is doubt, and there's frustration going on in this calling. We're going to have trouble Things are not going to always be easy. So let's remember. So first he gets there and there's a famine. Well, then when he comes back to the land, what happens? I told you, Lot, his nephew, was like his business partner. You know, Lot was the guy who traveled with him. So I'm sure in the beginning he thought, boy, I'm really going to be successful down here doing what we're going to do because I have Lot and all his herdsmen, and together we're combined. We're this, we're this large entity of, of, of livestock, and we've got wealth, and we're doing well. So then Lot, Lot leaves him. Remember, They're, they get in this strife. There's division, uh, and, and I called it out. I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't the best way of leadership to handle the, the, the strife. Obviously, there, you know, when he says there wasn't room in the land for us, well, there would have been room if they'd driven out the people that were there, but that's not what the plan was. So Lot leaves, and Lot goes to the better land. So now you're Abram, and you're like, you know, you got to see it that he's seen it the same way Lot saw it. That land over there is beautiful, like the Garden of Eden. That's what the Bible said, that the, Lot, the land that Lot took was like the Garden of Eden. So, so Abram's now thinking, you know, why did you bring me here, God? Why did you bring me to this land? That land looks prettier. And first you brought me here, and then we had to leave, then we came back. Now my business partner's leaving. He's taking the better land. Am I in the right place? 
what's going on? This is what our lives look like when we follow Jesus. This is what our lives look like in our calling sometimes. And it can be scary, it can be frustrating, and it can cause doubt. And then remember what happened after that? Then there was a war going on around him. So then there was a war going on around him. Lot gets taken captive and all of his goods and all this. And Abram has to go to war. Abram gathered up 300 of his men, his elite fighters. And and they went out and they fought in the war and they came back. And we have the meeting with Melchizedek and he ties with him. And and, and so all these things are happening in, in Abram's story that would create doubt and confusion like, you know, now I'm in this land, there's all this war going on around me, kings, and I mean, he's probably the little guy in the land, so he's got to have fear, like, if they wanted to at any time, they could, they could all combine up and come and kill me and take everything I have, you know, especially because he just went out and fought back to get a lot, right? So now he's created, he's, now he's put his face out there, he's put his name out there, this is happening in the story. This is what I'm talking about, about using empathy, like, what is really going on here? And, and also remember this at this point. What other, what other thing is probably arise, or bringing up doubt for him? God told him, this is the land I'm giving to you and your descendants. Well, all the people are still living in the land. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the, 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 the I got a whole list of them down here. They're all still there in the land too. They're not leaving, right? So he's got to be dealing with a lot of doubt right now. Like, you know, I don't know what, what God's doing. Well, we're going to see here that he did have some doubt. So now uh, it is in your bulletin, Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I love when God says, do not be afraid. Can anybody tell me how many times in the Bible it says, do not be afraid? Yeah, it's a big number. I have it written down. There is an exact. Yeah, and it's a lot. So... And the reason that he always says, do not be afraid, is because I think his presence, the presence of the angel of the Lord, it's a very intimidating, because basically saying, don't be afraid, because you're definitely going to be very afraid when this is happening to you. Amen? Remember, remember John's experience on Patmos, when he turned around and he saw that, and that was that image of that incarnate Jesus, and he just like fell to the ground. He was terrified. So that's what, here, so here it is. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, I always like sentences, see, see, being somebody that I try to critique in a healthy way, I don't like to use the word but. I like to use the word however. You know, you're doing a great job. However, I'd like to maybe see if we can do this. See, when you use the word however, it's like you're, you're feeding into it to like, let me help you get better at this. But when you use the word but, you just like, you did great, but. So this, so here we go. Verse 2, but. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus, that was a slave. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And there's an exclamation point there. He is saying this out of frustration and doubt. It's okay to talk to God sometimes and tell him how you really feel. He's not going to smite you. He wants to have a relationship with you. It's okay Tell them how you feel. Just watch what you say. Lord, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. 
Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you, are un, if you are able to number them. Now, I would imagine this is not your standard California night sky. This is like, you ever go to the desert or the mountains and you look up and there's like thousands of stars, like so many stars you can't even count a small area of it. That's the kind of stars he's seen in this image, right? He says, uh, look now, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Right here. And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Right here, Abram shuts up. He doesn't have a rebuttal. He has nothing to say. He's made his complaint. And God has given his response. And it says right there, it says, and he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Now here comes your cutting covenant. This is where you're going to learn your cutting covenant. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon, and a young pigeon. Verse 10, then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each opposite the other. So you have to imagine here, all these animals are being cut in half and then they're being laid out opposite of each other. So there is a space between the halves. So I want you to imagine this. I didn't bring my board out or I would be drawing horrible looking chopped up animals. I didn't think it was a great idea. I got a lot of nose right there. No. <laughs> I could have done a ram. I could have done a ram. I could have cut a ram in half, you know. The rams are going to the slaughter. So, so then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the car- carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not yours, that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Story sound familiar? Good. And also... The nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, but you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Wouldn't it be nice to have God tell you that? You know? Don't worry, Chris, you're 41 years old. You're going to die at a nice old age. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, that would make life real easy, right? That would just take a whole bunch of stress away because we worry about tomorrow. We worry about our health. We worry about a lot. We doubt. We get frustrated. We have things happening to us. But Abram's receiving these. This is like God's just telling this guy, don't worry, dude. You're going to die at a good old age. So he says, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. 
And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Here we go. This is your cutting covenant. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So God, so this smoking torch that passed through, and then God makes this covenant. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna explain a little bit of this in just a moment. But we're going to start out with some key points from today's verses. So, number one in your outline was, Abram makes a complaint, right? He complains. She knew it. Gav knew it, huh? She's like, it's a complaint. It's going to be a complainer. <laughs> Saw the laugh. Like, I got it. You ever come to church? Did anybody do that growing up in church when you had the outline? You were like trying to guess. Don't we all guess all the words, right? We're trying to guess them all. And then you even, wait, the best part is when you know for certain you got it, and you actually write it in, and then the word comes up, and the pastor says what it is, and you're like, oh, darn it, and you're trying to erase it, and you're like, I, that was wrong. I, I thought I had that one for sure. So Abram makes a complaint. Well, what were his complaints, Chris? A, the childless. I was childless. Well, you know what? Childless meant from the word that was used in the original text, that word childless meant a womb in judgment. Childless meant a womb in judgment. So he was actually complaining, basically saying like, you, you gave me a promise, but you've cursed me. That was his complaint almost. Like you said, you told me I was going to have, my, and my, my descendants would fill the land, but I'm childless. He was saying, but my wife's womb is in judgment. That was what he was saying to God. That's a, that's a big complaint. That's a bold statement to make. And at that time, the culture permitted a senior slave to become heir. That Eleazar of Damascus was the senior slave at the time. So you see, at that time, if a, if a, 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 a property owner or an, if somebody died and they had assets, they would go to that senior slave if they did not have any heir. So what he was complaining was, this is where all my stuff's going. This is who you're going to uh, do. This is who's going to inherit all the land. This guy? That was his complaint. Well, see, what's really going on is, his complaint is, how does this reckon with the promise? That was Abram's complaint. How does this reckon with the promise, God? I'm without child. My wife's womb is in judgment. You've brought me here. You sent, there was famine in the land. I've had to leave. I'm back. There's war. Lot's gone. My wife's childless. What's going on, God? I feel that happening here. I think he's making his complaints minimal. But we know that. But we all we got to look at our heart, right? What we say and what is in our heart is always sometimes two different things. So I'm looking at the heart. Well, bullet point two, Abram's silence. Remember I said he was silent. His silence resulted in a legal reckoning. His silence. So remember, after he made his complaint, God turned around and said, this is what I'm going to do. And it says, and he believed in the Lord. In verse uh, 6, I believe, he says, yeah, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So after he made his complaint and God gave his statement, Abram got silent. 
He's like, okay, I'm going to trust you again, God. So he believed in the Lord, and because he believed and had no more to complain, God accounted it to him for righteousness. So that word accounted, bullet point A, accounted, it means it was a chashab. Chashab is the consideration of a great number of elements which results in a conclusion based on a wide overview. God added up everything that Abram's belief meant to him, and computing it all together, determined that it was, that it was equal to righteousness. He complained, he hurt his heart, he understood. God understands your frustration. God understands your doubt. God understands your heart. God understands that you don't know tomorrow. God understands that you don't know what's going to happen next week. God understands. He made us in his image. We are more special to him than the angels. God, to God, you are more special than the angels. He made you in his own image. The angels are not created in his image. You are created in his image. So, so this is where our righteousness comes from, through our faith and belief. Right here, when after all Abraham had to complain about, and he's frustrated, and he's, 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 he's ran away, he's, he's left, he went to Egypt, he's come back, he's lied, he's done all this, he's frustrated. We go around again. I, I, got, I got a great guy said, I think I said it a few weeks ago, I'm probably repeating myself when I had a, a, one of our pastoral classes, and the guy said, be good at saying one thing 500 different ways, not 500 things one different way. So I'm trying to keep that focused. So I may be repeating myself here sometimes, but I'm trying to say the same thing 500 different ways, trying to get through. My wife and daughter, they, they, they point it out to me when I get to number three. You said the same thing three different ways. We understand what you're saying. But do you? Do you really? Because this guy said I could say it 500 different ways <laughs> to say the same thing. I'm kidding. I'm going to get myself in trouble. So, so what happens here? Let's move into bullet point three because it's almost 11 and I may go a couple minutes over and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday and I know you're all so excited to go home and watch the Rams and the Bengals game. God reaffirms his promise through, yes, you guessed it, a cutting covenant. You, you guys who were out there guessing, you got it. God reaffirms his promise through a cutting covenant. The cut was made and halves were divided. Now, bullet point B is what makes this covenant different than any other covenant. Because at this time when covenants were made, they were made between two parties. Each party agreeing to something. God passed through taking ownership of the covenant. God was the only party to take ownership of this covenant. Abram did not pass through the halves. And that would have been the customary at the time. We're making a covenant. You pass through in agreement to something, and I pass through in agreement to something, and we're both going to keep our part is a cutting covenant. There was no... Abram didn't have to do anything. You and I don't have to do anything. You and I just have to believe. No amount of works is going to make you righteous. You just have to believe. Amen? So, verse 17, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Now I have a really cool Bible at home. Um, it, it's pretty much aligned with, with four square. 
So uh, it has like these pop-ups in it, like Kingdom Dynamics, and I have this Kingdom Dynamic notes that I that I put here that I want to read to you that came out of that book. Kingdom Dynamics, chapter fifteen, verse ten. This is the first blood sacrifice covenant. The blood. This is the first one in the Bible. The direct requirement of a blood sacrifice as the as the means of establishing a covenant first appears in this episode and God's instruction to Abraham. The animals to be offered were selected, cut into halves, and arranged in proper order opposite one another. The covenant parties then passed through the halves, indicating that they were irrevocably bound together in blood. The cutting into halves of the sacrifice spoke of the end of existing lives for the sake of establishing a new bond or covenant. So those lives ended of those animals when they were cut in half, establishing a new bond or covenant. The sacred nature of this bond was attested to by the shedding of the lifeblood. In this instance, only God passes between the pieces. That's what I was just telling you guys. Only God passes between the pieces, indicating that it was his covenant alone, and that he would assume responsibility for its administration, and that there was nothing Abram had to do. Present in this account of covenant making are three essential ingredients. One, a bond originates from God's initiative. Two, the offering of a blood sacrifice as a requirement of covenant. And three, God's sovereign administration of the outcome of his oath. And we all know where that promise eventually leads to. Amen. So, four, you guessed it, God establishes the covenant. Thank you, BB. She didn't cheat. She doesn't get to read my notes. Oh. <laughs> Mike's too quick for me. He's got it up there already. I'm waiting for you guys to guess. God establishes the covenant. So after this cutting, after this cutting covenant has happened, the lives of those animals have ended. God has passed through and assumed a responsibility of this covenant, this promise that he makes with Abram. So, so that's where... This goes to a deeper level now for Abram. Because at that time, this cutting covenant was something that people did to be a part of an irrevocable bonded agreement, right? This is the covenant that God made with Abram that day. I am letting you know that I am going to do what I promised you I'm going to do and that your heir is going to come from your body and that your descendants are going to inherit this land. Even more so, at one time, they're going to be Strangers in another land, and they're going to be afflicted for 400 years, letting you know that in the future too. But they will come back to this land, and they will inherit it. This is the promise I make to you. This is what God did in the story. And God passed through. And God assumed responsibility. So now Abram understands and knows this is God's covenant promise to me. God's going to do what he said. At this point, I believe doubt and frustration starts to go away. Is that what we want to believe? Yes, we want to believe that. However, we're going to move into Ishmael and understand that that's not exactly how much he trusted it. Still a little more doubts can, more doubt to come. Keep coming back every Sunday. So God establishes the covenant on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. 
Something I wrote here uh, and pulled some notes from places. Verses 17 through 21. God humbled himself by taking the role of the inferior party to the covenant. God took the role of the inferior party to the covenant. In the ancient Hittite suzerainty covenant, that's what this was, a puppet ruler, the inferior party, would walk between the bleeding pieces of split animals, taking an oath of loyalty to his superior. That is what God did in this story. God took the role of the inferior party in this story. Amazing to know, right? We read about the covenant, but this is what's really going on there. So, and this is also mentioned in Jeremiah 34. May the gods do so to me and more also as I have done to these animals if I do not fulfill the terms of this covenant. So in this scenario with Abram, God voluntarily made himself lower than Abram for the establishment of the covenant. He made himself the inferior party to the superior party, man, whom he loved. Amen? Well, we know he's going to do something even more unspeakable when he's going to sacrifice his own son on a cross for us. And there's some people who are going to sin and never even have a relationship with him, but he, he, he let his own son die for those people too, for all of us. Pretty good God. So, in this scenario again, God voluntarily made himself lower than Abram for the establishment of the covenant. This act prefigures the precious gift of his own son who, consented, who condescended to die on a degrading cross for all humanity. The Lord was the promising party. God's oath and established covenant was the unilateral, it's one way, not bilateral, one way. Unilateral, unconditional, with no requirements demanded of Abram. Nothing. You didn't have to do anything. Just keep living your life. You're going to live to a good old age. You're going to have an heir, and I'm going to establish it in the land. All you got to do is believe. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. Just believe. And I'm going to take care of the rest. Here, I'm making this covenant with you. Trust me. Believe. That's what he did. How many times have we looked into this story and really picked up on all this stuff? I'll, I won't tell you it was news to me, but it was really in-depth because I really went in-depth on it. And I came to new conclusions as I went in over it and over it and over it. You know? So, he simply believed this Old Testament covenant model is the model for our New Testament covenant through Jesus Christ for salvation and relationship with God. That's what we're here preaching. We're here preaching the good news. We're here preaching God's word, teaching it week in, week out. That's what I, come, that's what I came here to do. I don't want to ever come up here and just spend 45 minutes talking about what's going on in my week and what I think everything should be and then base it off of one little verse. I don't want to do that. I want to read God's word and teach from God's word and let it preach to us and let it speak to us, including myself. That's what I come up here to do. So today we looked at how God still provided a means of assurance with Abram. He made this cutting covenant with him. Our challenge this week, I love to challenge people. I so love to challenge people. Jesus challenged everybody everywhere he went with every statement he made. Everywhere he went, he said something, and trust me, it, it upset people. Right? He challenged them. Especially the religious leaders of that day. So, I like to always challenge myself. I'm competitive in that way, so our challenge this week is to look at how that applies to our lives and to our church family. Are we believing? Are we trusting? Are we understanding we have a covenant? 
Are we understanding that God's made a cutting covenant with us through Jesus Christ? The cutting covenant that Abram did with the, with, the, with the animals, well, God made that same cutting covenant with us through Jesus, through the death of his son. Okay? So, has God spoke to you yet and given you that promise? Do you know what that promise looks like on your life? Do you know what God's doing with you? Do you know where God's taking you? Has the Holy Spirit confirmed it through others? The Holy Spirit speaks through believers. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. God doesn't need to use burning bushes anymore to speak to us. He speaks to us through his word and he speaks to us through believers because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. That is how God communicates to you. Prayers up, open the word, God speaks back, God speaks through believers, Holy Spirit. You want to have a relationship with God? Fellowship with other believers because the Holy Spirit is living and residing in them. Another great reason that we meet on Sundays. Okay? Is there an area of your life that God has made a promise, a cutting covenant, yet you are doubting and struggling with it? Are you struggling with the relationship and the promise that God has made with you? Are you struggling with it? It's okay. It's okay. We just learned in this story. It's natural. Abram's a hall of faither. Hall of faither. Right? Abram's a hall of faither. Listen to the doubt. Look at the frustration. Look at the unbelief. It's normal. But you got to overcome it. And you got to believe. It's what we do. So, pray, that, pray this week on your promise. Pray this week on your calling. We just finished the calling series. Pray on your calling. Pray on your promise. Trust God. Go Rams. 10 after 11. No, I'm just kidding. BB and I are from Los Angeles, so we're a little more, we're going to, we'll go Rams. We've watched the Rams come and go out of L.A. a couple times, so. But they're back, and we're gone, but we're going to, and I hope they win today. Yeah, you know. Let's pray. Lord, uh. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for, I thank you for Abram 4,000 years ago. I thank you for the covenant. I thank you for the cutting covenant that you made with him, Lord. And, I, and, I, and I'm grateful that he believed in you, Lord, and that you made that his righteousness, Lord. And, I believe, and, I, and I'm grateful that that was the design that you created for us. I'm grateful that all these things took place so that you could establish a permanent cutting covenant with us through Jesus. Lord, I just thank you in advance. Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for our callings, Lord. Make it evident to those who are looking. Make it evident to those who are seeking. Let them speak to you this week, Lord. And for those of us who do know what you have us doing, or at least we think we do, Lord, stay, stay in relationship with us, Lord. Speak to us through your spirit, Lord. Help guide us on our path as we live out our calling, Lord. Help us make it to a good old age as we carry out your will, Lord. We thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.